Alright guys, welcome back to Let the Good Dice Roll. This is episode 8, our retrospective, uh, our retrospective episodes, or our retrospective series on a two and a half year long Exalted campaign that, uh, due to copyright and legal reasons, cannot be posted up as a podcast. Mostly the music. Mostly the music. Mostly the music. I'm Brendan, and my forever co-host here is... Christina! So... We have gotten over the biggest hump of uh, this game, in my opinion, which was... The uh, biggest argumentative hump. The biggest argumentative hump. So expect, um, I wouldn't say smooth sailing from here, but there's going to be a lot less the gang stays in the city for two episodes. Yeah, well, I think, I feel like for Calibration, we're there for at least one session, and then there's like... No, because we leave pretty much right after that. Yeah, because calibration is only one session. Yep. Okay, so, where are we starting off? Alright, it's on a Sunday in April the 30th of 2017. And Percival has just returned to us, so he gets to meet Sergei, and uh, Tally ends up making a house close to the tower for Sergei because he won't live anywhere that's not under Storm's window. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we actually might have skipped ahead slightly last episode and mentioned that near the end. Yeah, it's fine. It's not that important. So. Uh, oh, the beginning of this session and that whole session of you saving him kind of blended together in my head. It's okay. I mean, I rewrote who won the tournament, but I already said it last session, so I'm not going to repeat it again. And then, uh, so we're all kind of gathered and conversing and whatnot, and we did end up deciding that Dr. Constantine, which was the liminal, was who we were going to send to uh, be our representative. On the Riverlands. Uh, Confederacy for the, for, Yeah, stuff. for the Riverlands Confederacy. So as we're all sitting and talking, Diego comes in and just, like, slams one of the flyers that Wayward Son had just thrown everywhere from his boat. And it's just like, yo, what happened to subtlety? Right. Now they all know, because those flyers were not subtle. It was like, come to this solar kingdom. We'll make everything better. Don't, and, like, he was flying super close to the realm, and, like, realm-controlled cities and everything. So, like, any of that money that you So guys, much paper pollution. So much paper pollution. Any of that extra, like, money that you guys were getting from, like, secretly uh, skimming off the top from the realm, like... That went away, so, like, I know that before, for the big argument session, like, there was a lot of blah, blah, blah about people doing jobs, but, like, thank God that happened, or else you guys wouldn't be making any money. That's true. But, yeah, no, subtlety after that. Subtlety is out the window now. We are out as a solar run. Um, I don't... Would you call it a city or a town? What level are we call, I would call you guys a city at this a point. At that point, yeah, we're kind of a city. You guys are working your way up to nation. Yeah, eventually. Metropolis, stuff like that, you know. Uh, so we're kind of like, yeah, our bad. Well, wayward's bad, really. And Percy, since he just came back, he basically confirms everything Storm knew about the Hundred Kingdoms. And she tells them what she had learned from her spies about everything going on there. Which I, I don't remember if we covered last session or not, or if you happen to remember any of it. Um, it's been, um, so, a lot of the stuff that it's talking about is, um, certain lands are getting, um, 
taken, not taken over, but uh, tend to encroach really close on um, Mahasuchi's uh, territory, which is really bad for them. Um, also, to the south, the big one is uh, Jibei, which, which lies at about the... Uh, is a big city that is realm-controlled at this point, I think, in canon. I'm pretty sure it is. Um, pretty sure. It originally was um, not realm-controlled, but I had a big story going on with it that we get to eventually. But basically that Jibei is going to start pushing in from the south to start uh, going up north to start conquering the Hundred Kingdoms. Yeah, and then we ended up talking about uh, using spirits or gods or something or another to put in our siege weapons, and there was a lot of discussion about that. I think that might be one Percival brought up that he needed talisman to make a siege weapon, mm -hmm. and there was a whole big thing about uh, her not being asked before he voluntold her for it. Yeah. And I think if that wasn't one of her intimacies at that point, it became one of her intimacies. It definitely it became a defining intimacy for her, and the irony is that uh, it kept happening. Yeah. And it kept happening from the same person. Yep. Basically, her whole thing was she wants she wanted to be asked permission before she was asked to create something. She didn't want somebody to be like, oh, you're the crafter. Clearly, you're going to create. So I'm just going to volunteer you this for this without yeah, asking. Yeah, yeah. Like, because the thing is, is that if she, like, if she said, if you came up to her and were like, hey, Talisman, can you make this for me? Like... 99% chance she's going to say yes. She's not going to ever say no to this. That's literally what her character is built to do yeah. is and craft. She, but she also had a list. She had a queue of things that she was working on. So, like, she had to prioritize what she was working on and stuff, too. But if you go in and tell her that, suddenly she goes from being, you know, your equal as a solar to she's a tool that you use. Yeah. And that was the whole, like, reason that that became a... Uh, Big a, discussion. A, a major... That, that's why that became an actual discussion and not yelling at each other across the table. Yeah. Uh, then we also decided to send a fruit basket and a message to Thorns using a demon that was summoned by Talisman. I believe that they summoned a Neoma because I'm they were sure. human-ish. Pretty sure it was a Neoma. Yeah, Neoma are kind of like the androgynous succubuses of exalted... They can literally just appear as whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And they're, like, I hate to put it this way, but they're literal baby-making machines. And that comes up way later. Way down the line. We worry about Neoma bullshit mm -hmm. one, in one session. And then we have another long discussion about what the fuck we're going to do and where we're going to go. And we, finally, we finally decided that we were going to go to Volovat. So we made a decision. Yay! Um... And Volovat rests way below sea level, and it has a dam all around it to keep the water from flooding it. Do you remember why you guys went to Volovat? Um, it had to, I think we had, it had to do with wild stuff happening there. Wild stuff was happening there, but I think that it also had to do with because of... So, um, uh, my memory is kind of shit, and I haven't finished listening to the other episode yet. Um, but I know that in the last episode, um, Wayward got the second part of the opera and yes, performed it. that's correct. Is that one that the people, like, all turn that way? 
I don't remember that being a part of it. Because I, I remember that, like, the first time that he performs it, it does nothing. And I think that once he gets the second part, it puts a bunch of mortals into a trance, and then they all face southeast. Maybe. It's possible. Which I think that might have been one of the main reasons why you guys went down that way. Besides also, like, a bunch of wild stuff. Because also, remember, Behemoth had just come in, and you guys had promised to go deal with Faye. Yeah. Um, well, because I know... After the whole Volovat arc and calibration, we end up going to Mount Metagalapa and then Lukshai and then somewhere else after that. So I think we went to Volovat because Metagalapa and Lukshai were closer together. Mm -hmm. So we're kind of doing like, let's do this one thing out of the way and then go back and do these two things that are closer together. Mm -hmm. If I'm remembering correctly. Again, two years ago, so who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Um, but we did find out that Volovat has a working skyship dock, but Wayward, and because we, we travel by the ship, the flying ship at this point all the time anymore, but Wayward didn't dock his ship in there. He decided to land in the water so that it doesn't crack. That's what I have written, which is kind of an interesting concept to think about, but I guess it makes sense. Mm-hmm. We uh, also learned that the people there are built with manufactured features to be a fighting force. And kind of think like Superman. They're manufactured people. They're, they are real, but they're created in a very particular way, which we found out later. Mm -hmm. um, so Wayward and Percival end up convincing the guards to let them in. And Storm ends up bringing Sergei and three of her spies along so that she can send them throughout the city. And Sergei just kind of follows along like a puppy at this point. And she was just like, sure, whatever. We, more, the more the merrier at this point. And uh, we end up riding down this big elevator to get into Volovac. Because like I said, it's it's kind of like dipped down. It's like a really weird valley with a dam along the edges of it. Yep. Uh, to, to keep the ocean water from coming in. I mean, it's pretty well-preserved, considering how the structure is of it. It does have a little bit of water damage here and there, which kind of makes sense. But for the most part, it's a very bustling city with a very high male-to-female ratio. It's pretty much 11 to 1. Yep, there's a lot of guys in Volvat and very few ladies. Yeah, and the people that had a cult in our group, which I think were just Wayward and maybe Talison at that yeah, point, and maybe. possibly Behemoth. No, I don't think he had a cult. I don't think he, he had, ever had a cult. He had a little he had bit. He a cult. He did not have a cult. Okay, because I know he did a little bit of sorcery, so I don't know if he had a cult for sorcery or not. No, he had the uh, the, the souls that followed him okay. to help with sorcery. I just couldn't remember if he just happened to have a knowledge <coughs> of that. But basically, our occult people were able to tell that there's likely a mons here, and that there's different essence bubbling at the center of it, just slightly above the ground. Um, kind of like a sort of essence backup thing and so storm sends her people out to find out info basically to find out who the leadership is of this town city place so that we can learn who it is and possibly seek an audience with them um and we end up going to some merchants to get some stuff for tally so that she can make a thing uh but the group ends up splitting up before we do this so the split was uh talisman Sergey, Behemoth, and Storm that all go to look for the stuff for Talisman. And Wayward ends up going on a cloud to go and look at places and explore, 
while Percival heads to the merchant to try and find some first age technology. Uh, so specifically, uh, the cloud because I don't think we've ever talked about this. Spell, I don't think we have either. Is uh, the spell Cirrus Cir- uh, Skiff, which is a floating cloud that the Exalt can ride around on. It's uh, because uh, Wayward is a sorcerer. That's his uh, favored spell. So he um, he can uh, use it in Sorcerer's Rituals, which is actually how you guys got the flying boat. The flying boat actually flies on a gigantic version of the Sears Skiff. Yeah, but I don't think we've ever talked uh, yeah, about it. Yeah, but I don't it. think we've ever actually talked about the actual spell itself. Pretty sure we never did. Um, Wayward ends up finding this amphitheater where they're actually doing a play of the history of Volavat. Which, uh, hold on, I'll let you do it okay. in just a second. We learned that uh, Yenin are the inheritors of Olivat, and basically it's a reenactment of how everyone is so pretty, like how they, why they look the way they do, and are very like pretty and good genetics and whatnot. So Yenin uh, meant people of ten seeds. Basically, it's just genetic fuckery of the best traits put into one person. Now, if you want to explain it, go ahead. Okay, so. Um... First off, with Volavat, um, the I, I'm literally like, you can I actually have the uh, the the third edition book in front of me. This I have three paragraphs to work with for this entire setting, so I have to extrapolate on some stuff like here's how it was in the in the first age, here's how here's how it's made, and then some stuff about how the city was flooded to to quarantine something. It literally never says in here. And then some nomads found it and reactivated the pumps, reclaiming the city, discovering relics, and uh, they u- they use these relics to recreate themselves in the uh, the image of the city's founders. Mm-hmm. So basically, they're using thaumaturgy, and they're um, basically ten guys contribute to the birth of a single kid. Um, which is really just like you read it and you go, oh, okay, yeah, whatever, and then you and say it out loud to your friends, and, and it's then like, you think about it, and then you think about it, and everyone goes, ooh, that that's fucking gross, and I go, yeah, yeah, and then I like grab the book and I go, this is all I have to work with, this is all I have to work with, guys. Yeah, so we got so um, that was an interesting thing to learn. Uh, but basically, because they basically take the they basically take the best um, features of each of the ten fathers. This helps create. Um, it literally says in here, uh, they create supermen in this fashion with only the strongest, wisest, and most gifted men contributing their seed to the next generation. The resulting uh, cat's cradle of clans bonds is largely incomprehensible to outsiders. Enhanced by the combined strength, wit, and essence of eleven parents, the greatest Yenim champions are a match for the sorcerer princes of Yisir and the dragon-blooded warriors of Prasad. Basically, that's page what of the third edition? Uh, that is page ninety-five of the third. In case edition. anybody wants to look at it. Yeah, of the third of of the exalted third edition core rulebook. Um, that's just me reading right off there. But it's basically, they found this ritual on how to do that. And hey, now we have basically the equivalent of heroic mortals that will always be produced. And like, the difference between a heroic mortal and an actual mortal is a heroic mortal actually stands a chance against unexalted of any kind on their own. As opposed to needing to have like a battle group of 500 to even stand a chance against a single dragon blooded. 
<laughs> Back to uh, the four of us that are off getting stuff. There's a... Uh, I don't. It says 15 from normal vendors. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. I don't know if that means that there was 15 normal vendors or what have you. But I we, have no idea. We ended up having to go to the black market to find others. People down in the black market seem to be very normal. And then the deeper you go... It looks like the people down there have more wild mutations to them. Right. Which kind of triggered us off to something that being they, up. That being, there's something, something, a little, something being up. A little weird Like going I on mentioned, here. Um, in literally the first half of the second paragraph, Volvac gets flooded to quarantine the thing. Well, I don't know what the fuck was in there, so I had to make something up. Yeah. And our group actually came across a group, another group of four with mutations, and Behemoth recognized those as serving under, uh, Paris, and Sergei and Behemoth actually fought them, while Talisman distracted a merchant, and I, and Storm basically went in there and just like, I'm gonna take this, and I'm gonna take this, I'm gonna take the shit oh, we need. you know what you guys were looking for? When it says 15 on the, nor- on the normal market? Mm-hmm. You guys are looking for essence batteries to power up the shields. That's right. We keep, That's the that only was, reason we came to Volavot was because of essence That batteries. was the main reason you guys came because it was like, hey, what place might have like a uh, a a plethora of first age tech? It was Volavot. Yeah, so we ended up getting 15 of those from the normal vendors and then having to steal some from the black market via distraction and combat. Okay, cool. We, we figured that out. It also had to do with the southeast yeah. thing. Well, we the people that we fought because there was four of them. There was two buck ogres and two manticores uh, that ended up losing their human facade to reveal their faith form, and that's when the boys ended up fighting them. Um, they killed three of them, and then we used the, the fourth one to send a message back to the Fae as a whole to kind of be like, "Yo, <laughs> yo, stop it." Yeah, and uh, Percival goes to like an excavation area and he wants a guide there but apparently he's you know planning to go with our group so he's like i want to bring my whole group down here but i need a guide all right i'm gonna set this up go back grab everybody and then we're gonna go and take a look at this uh, excavation place mm-hmm. and i think that was it for everything on our own because we ended up coming back together um and Behemoth saw some red marks on Tally, so he goes and threatens the shopkeeper mm. because of it. So, Behemoth was very, like... Hyper-protective. Yeah, hyper-protective of Talisman because she wasn't a very combative character. So it's like, this is our crafter and kind of our healer. This is our little cinnamon bun who also doesn't have really any memories and was a blank slate when we got her. How dare you harm her? Right. Okay. Um, but... Behemoth's able to tell us that there was a pocket of wild underneath of us. So that was kind of interesting, which, I mean, we kind of figured out something was going on with wild because of the mutations and whatnot, but him having his fae experience and be like, no, for real, there is a pocket of wild down here was like, cool, we figured, but confirmation's great. Um, And basically all of us meet up together and we basically share this information with everyone so we all know what's going on. We do find out that uh, Farakujo, if I'm saying that correctly, is the leader, as in the king. Yeah, Farakujo. Yeah, Farakujo. Farakujo. Yeah. 
uh, is the leader per Storm's informants. I think that was a queen uh, female. Well, it says queen right there. So okay. that's what I said. Was, <laughs> she, she, I was, said she, king. she was the, I don't think I said king. I'm pretty uh, sure I said I'm, queen. Whatever. Either way, leader of the town, queen, Barakujo, has, a, there's like face tattoos that denote the caste system, and she's got dark skin and long brown, uh, black hair. So they, uh, per my request, they wrote our name in for a meeting with her already. So we were already set up to meet with her. Percival ends up learning that we probably shouldn't flood this place because it's somewhat important. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Wayward <laughs> comes in and is like, guys, this place is super fucked up. We need to flood it. Yeah, he's the one who told us about the performance and how the people here were made. And we're all kind of like... It'd That's be really, disgusting. It'd be really easy to break the dam and flood this place. And Percival ends up talking us out of it. But flooding Volovat comes up a lot, mainly by my character, as threats to someone eventually. Because it's, it, under, it's, it's fucking un, weird. It's, that... it's under the realm of someone that we know, or will know, that we do know. And she ends up using it, and it's just, the place is fucking weird. Um, but anyways, we just kind of dilly about for a little bit until we have to go to our meeting, which is at a first age palace, actually. And it's got a very lavish setting about it. And, uh, the queen greets us, and Talisman explains the situation, and the queen seems very spacey and is kind of zoning out during Talisman's explanation. Almost like she can't concentrate for some reason. And we notice that there's this beautiful silver-haired man who is kind of, has kind of this otherworldly beauty to him. And uh, the queen keeps, like, her eyes keep darting over to him whenever Talisman asks her a question. And we notice, uh, so we notice him and something weird about him, and he kind of knows that we notice him, if that makes sense at all. Mm-hmm. He knows that we know that something's off. And we can see that his... I wrote his gossamers out. I don't know I don't remember much about Faye in this world, but I'm pretty sure that just means that we can we can see his influence. Yeah, you can kind of see his uh his that that that's him using his uh Fae powers. His Fae powers, yeah. But once he's gone, it seems like the queen's just her clarity has returned to her face and she's just normal again. So we're just like, hey, by the way, this fucker's influencing you, so that might be a thing you might want to worry about. But basically, we make a deal with her, so we take half the essence batteries now that we need, so 15, and then uh, another half, which was another 10, which is not quite 50-50, after we did some things that she asked us to do, which I'm pretty sure was just check out the wild pocket or something like that. Yep. But that's the end of that session. Okay. Um, so do you want do we want to just go on to the next session? Yeah, then? why not? We can just go right on to it. Hi, Miss Harper. Who? How you doing, kitty cat? So the next session takes place on a Sunday, May the seventh of two thousand seventeen. We set out the next day, but uh, Behemoth is literally nowhere to be seen. I don't remember if it was because Devin was at that session or not, or he was just off doing shenanigans. I didn't read enough ahead I to remember. Think they- We'll figure it out. I want to say that he was there, but he... Maybe he came late to the session? I think he might have come late to the session. I don't remember. I just have that in there. No, and I think that was one of the days where that we were at your place, and um, he was working that day. Possibly. Because usually I write when people aren't there, but mm-hmm. who knows. 
But basically, we don't know where to be around, and we start walking towards the excavation site, because that's where we're heading to. And there's a fog shark that appears just out of the fog and tries to nab Talisman, but Storm ends up grabbing her and just, like, jerking her out of the way. Oh, yeah, so yeah, fog like, sharks. They're literal shogs that they're literal <laughs> sharks that are that fly through the fog as if it were water it's terrifying yeah so we're like we need a place to duck and cover and none of the doors are open so storm goes over to a door and she has a charm that basically lets her just like touch a door and it opens so she just does it to a door and we all dart inside as this old lady's house and she's just <laughs> I think she was pretty cool about it, about us just breaking into her house. I think because she was just old and lonely. So Talisman goes around and just starts fixing everything around there. And we're just talking with her. And I think she made us food or something like that. Yeah, to wait out the fog. Yeah, I think she was just happy to have people because, you know, old lady who lives yeah. by herself. I think she even thought, like, one of us was, like, her kid or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we end up waiting out the fog there. And once it clears up, we go to the excavations place. And we get told that, like, a lot of safety stuff, you know, the generic, like, all right, we're about to go into this place, make sure you mind your heads, like, watch for any pitfalls, blah, 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 stuff that, you know. Please keep your arms and legs inside of the cart at all times. Yeah, basically. And, basically, we make sure that they're cool with elementals, because I think we had Daisy and Sunflower with us. Princess and Sunflower. Princess and Sunflower, man. All right, anyways. Um, and we do some manual labor to kind of work with them on this excavation. Uh, and the, the guide takes us to do some things. It ends up being Wayward Percival Talisman, cause, and Talisman summoned a Blood Ape and uh, a Neoma, and then she also had Dufour with her. Mm-hmm. To help out with the excavation. Yeah, and yeah. then it was Storm and Sergei and Delilah. So it was just this ridiculous group of people working on of the excavation. Just allies and demons just Yeah, working on the, the excavation side to help out with it. Um what does this say? A tide mare led to sea horse thing. Ride in distended belly of a tide mare. I don't yes, know what the yes. fuck that was for. So so to get there, um you guys had to take a tide mare, which is a basically a giant seahorse that has a uh, large uh, see-through belly that is kind of like porous. Like you can, like either you can like open it up, or but it's basically a water elemental that people use for transportation. Okay, I don't remember that part at all. So thanks, but, I mean, notes. Yeah, thanks, notes. Yeah, I was actually wondering when you were going to get to that because it's one of those weird things that I remembered about it. It's like, oh yeah, then there's the tide mare. Yeah, I didn't remember that. So thanks, notes. We get to the ruins, and they're very angular, geometrically perfect, except for, uh, like, a little bit of a wear and tear from how old they are. Think, like, a ziggurat, basically. Very much, like, a ziggurat or a Mayan pyramid or, uh, something like that. Very first stage. First stage has a lot of, uh, Mayan slash Aztec, uh, influence. Yeah, influence in it. Or inspiration. Either one of of those words would work. Once we get to the ruins, uh, the rest of our menagerie of the group distracts the other 16 people that are there while Storm goes off to investigate and does her sneaky, sneaky bullshit. Mm-hmm. And she ends up finding this piping and some air ducts that are small enough for 
ironically enough, a Jala to fit through. That was our sizing comparison. Yep. Jala's are a sizing comparison now. And while she's there, she ends up seeing Seeker. I put air quotes around it for a reason. You just can't see me doing it. And she notices he's trying to pry, like, a part of it open with a crowbar. Or, and the reason I put air quotes around is because she believed it was Seeker because my character had really low, I think, resolve or yep. something at that time. Really low resolve. That changed really quickly after this. <laughs> this every, every time that I hit you with something, it immediately changes the next time you have the opportunity to yeah. spend that. I even have in here, I wrote, I believe it is Seeker, but ob- it's an obvious fade. Resolve 2 sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I have the lowest resolve in the group. Yeah, I don't know why I didn't, like, hit you with more social shit after that. Which is really funny, because my character was very social and very socially manipulative, but for some reason her resolve sucked. Yeah, because you had to pick up integrity and, like, manipulation or, like... I mean, my manipulation was disgusting, um, but, like, my integrity was shit, Mm -hmm. if I remember correctly. I have my old character sheet somewhere, Um, but... The the fake seeker ended up asking Storm, uh, Storm to help him, and when she went to grab the crowbar, it tries to grab her back, and sh- but she manages to kind of, like, squirm away from it and get away from it. And to which seeker gets sucked and squished into the, the ziggurat, and it, it sh- Storm has a mild, like, what the fuck? Like, like, a, like a small panic attack going on, because, like... Hey, look, my boyfriend's back. Ex-boyfriend. And my ex-boyfriend's <laughs> back, and oh my god, he's, he, oh, what the fuck is going on? Oh my god, because, you know, you know out of character that's not him, but in character, it just looks like him, and it's just, you're convinced that it's him, and now he's getting sucked through a pipe that is way too small for him. Mm-hmm. Like, if you've ever seen, it's definitely not a good size comparison, but in 1988's The Blob, there's a death like that. Yeah. Well, all I remember was taking a point of limit for that bullshit and writing above it, fuck Faye. <laughs> okay. Second point of limit there for you. Yeah, it was literally fuck Dancer, fuck Faye. I'm up to two points of limit a storm at this point. I think which was the most out of the group. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I think I'm the only one who got really close to limit breaking by the end of that campaign. The only one that wasn't an NPC that got really close to limit breaking. Yeah, we had a couple NPCs. Limit breaker got really close to it. Yep. Um, which I'm surprised none of us limit broke. Honestly, I don't know. Uh, but he disappears. So Storm goes and scouts around the rest of the building, and then heads back to the rest of the group. Um, and... the reason that you guys never limit broke is you guys were really good about like. Oh yeah, I got a success, I got a success, I got a success. And then, like, the moment I asked you to make, like, intimacy or limit break rolls, it was like, no successes! It's like, yeah, you limit, like, there's your limit trigger, but you rolled four ones, and this is the one time that that's good to have happen. Yep. Uh, But she scouts the rest of the area, goes to the group, and she's told that they're down four people who have just basically disappeared into the ruins. Uh, Wayward uses his wizard eyes to figure out that this is fey fuckery. Because we know out of character it's fey fuckery, but now we know for sure in character it's fey fuckery. Mm-hmm. Uh, we <laughs> end I up... love that you guys always called that fucking charm wizard eyes. It was the easiest thing to do. I don't even remember what the real name like, of it, it is. It was like spirit sight. Wizard, say... wizard eyes is so much better. Wizard eyes. 
Wizard I used my so charm, much. Wizard Eyes. Charm, that's not a charm. It is now. It, it is now. Um, well, we end up... Basically, we punch a fae who has some issues. And um, then the storm leads the, the others to the crack from earlier and explained exactly what happened. We hear someone trying to, like, move a block of stone, basically above us, on top of us. And uh, Percival heads up there and slices a purple tentacle off and yep. the, of the thing that was trying to drop, like, basically a stone slab on top of us. <laughs> um... So we managed to get inside, and we can kind of hear him, because he's got this weird, like, sound as he moves along. This weird, this, this weird schlorping sound. Yeah, I couldn't write schlorping, so I think I, I wrote slick. Yeah. Um, I could try and spell schlorping, but I feel like I wouldn't be able to pronounce it later on. <laughs> S-H-L-O-R-P-I-N-G. I don't know. Schlorping. Whatever. Uh, we end up laughing. Uh, oh, yeah. We laugh, Sergey laughs, Sunflower laughs, the floor laughs, and then Storm stabs the floor. Right, yeah. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. And then the piece, a piece, the piece of the floor ends up retreating. I had to say it that way because it's great. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> so we're just walking around aimlessly because we don't know where the fuck we are, where we're supposed to go or anything like that. And we just experiment because we're at a, we need like a common sense role to figure out what the fuck to do next. So we just start experimenting on stuff to see what will happen. So Percy decides to stab a wall and then uh, Storm asks Sergei to punch a wall, which he does. And Storm is just fed up with this whole fucking situation and basically just asks out loud what the Fae wants. And uh, he mentions that Oh, now you want to talk to me. You know, you wanted to stab me earlier. Now you want to talk to me. It's like, yeah, fuck, I want to stab you. Was there laughing floor? What the hell else am I supposed to do? <laughs> it's literally the I laugh, she laughs, the toaster laughs, I shoot the toaster. It's literally one of those scenarios. Yeah. It's literally that joke. Yeah. Um, so Wayward uses his lore, because he had a lot of dots in lore, to make a fun slide up here. And we all go down it into this area where we see the Fae. Okay, so, real quick tangent here. Is it about the slide or is it about the Fae? It's about lore and the slide and technically the Fae as well. Okay. Which is to say that um, dungeons, in big air quotes, but areas that are controlled by the Fae are controlled by the, like, Fae dungeons and, like, dealing with the Fae functions narratively. So, like... You get to the beginning of the story, the, the the plot hook. Then you go through the journey, and then that's where, and then you find the ending eventually. But none of the journey has to make almost any sense. And there are charms in lore which allow you to basically be like, "Oh yeah, I know about this." So obviously there would be a secret passage with a slide over here. And John rolled it. Rolled well. And because he's in a, a fey-tainted area, it has lower resistance to that. So, like, it just fucking happened. So we had a fun slide that, unless you rolled really well, was not very fun for you. Really? Yeah. No, remember? Because you made it where we had to roll go, to go down it because it was like a metal slide. And if we didn't go down it properly, we got, we got like, basically metal burn or something like oh, that. Oh, Yeah. 
I don't remember exactly what it was, but I remember having to roll for the slide and almost doing really bad on rolling for it. And I think Sergey rolled really bad on it. Yeah. Because he's not very good at, like, decks and dodge and bullshit. He was much more a tank or something mm-hmm. like that. I can't remember exactly. At the time, he was much more a tank, and then I went, wait, no, why did I do this? Dexterity's the best stat to have. It really is. It really, really is. Um... So we get down there, and we see the Fae. He's got these big, dumb teeth, purple tentacles. He's kind of big. Think, uh, like, Squidbillies, I think, was our comparison that we used. Squidbillies was your comparison that you used? This guy was literally, um, Ultros from Final Fantasy VI, who's a recurring squid boss. My problem is I have never gotten to play any of the Final Fantasies, like, really that much. Like, a little bit here and there, and I've gotten to watch it, but that was yeah, the best no, comparison he, I had. He's, he's a giant, doofy, fucking-looking octopus. Like, I don't know where my phone went, but I could pull up a picture of it later. That's fine. I mean, they can't see it, so it's just more for yeah, they, my Yeah, they, they can't see it, but, like, if you want a really good comparison, um, Ultras from Final Fantasy VI is literally what I was going for. Gotcha. While we're down there and we're just like, oh, cool, here's this fae, we hear this sound of old machinery that Talisman and Wayward recognize as not fae, which is very weird considering that we're in this pocket of wild. So we all kind of stop paying attention to the fae as he tries to monologue. (laughs) Uh, Delilah tells us that there's a man with a metal thing on his arm behind the door and the fae is blocking it. So, I have written down here anglerfish, melee, defensive, and mystery, and in parentheses, throne. So, I'm assuming that's stuff he could do for attacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or something along those. Oh, and head. So, we're going to deal with eight arms slash tentacles. Which An was, anglerfish yeah, thing. Yeah, and it was uh, basically just four pairs of two limbs. Because the anglerfish thing was uh, that, that silver... Uh, haired thing that the that the queen saw. Mm-hmm. That's what's on the end of his anglerfish thing. Ah, uh, yeah, right. interesting. But we end up killing him by buffet, and it releases the people that were taken. But we still hear the sound coming from behind the door. Um, and we notice this wild demonic taint uh, coming from because we end up opening the door, obviously. But there's this wild demonic taint. There's uh, a guy with a soul steel mask. Uh, and he ends up sending the mask off to elsewhere at some point. Um, yep. But he's very muscular. His right hand is a massive kind of Hellboy-like hand. And the hand is jammed deep into the wild field that's before us. So he ends up removing the star metal and soul steel mask. Uh, oh, that's when he sends it off. Like, after he realizes we're here, it's like, oh, I'm just gonna boop this mask off into elsewhere. But he says something about making a Crimson King, which, you know, in retrospect, fuck. Uh, at the time, we didn't know what that was. <laughs> that is a reference to the band King Crimson. Also technically a reference to the Crimson King from the Dark Tower. Yeah. Uh, and that's the end of that session actually okay so should we get to the next i mean we could do the next session because that was what two yeah that was two and we still got time on this one and the next one is just battle so yeah okay but i mean this is uh this is one of the next boss fights that comes up and i'm remembering a lot of it so there's a lot of like really neat shit that i decided yeah and we're only like 40 ish minutes in yeah so and since it's just combat, we can kind of... Third session. Because we're going to get to do third sessions, which works out great. Because calibration comes up after this. 
So Sunday. That'll be next episode. Yeah. Sunday, May 28th, 2017. We're gonna fight this dude. Um, do you have a name for him in there? Yes, I do. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, we just ended up calling him Nightman because Dayman, Nightman, ha ha ha. Um, <laughs> well, at the time we didn't know his name, but I'm just gonna say his name now anyways because I don't remember exactly when we find it out, but it's A Thousand Sins of Death is his name. Yep. And, uh, so we learn, uh, that we set the mask plan back, which, remember the mask all the way from the very first session? Looked really fucking similar, almost identical to the mask that he sent to elsewhere. Surprise. Or the mask that you guys have had on you. And That's they, what I'm saying, they, the mask from the very first session. Yeah, yeah. Because we don't have it on us anymore. Remember, Seeker took it up to Yushan. Right, right, you're right, you're right, so. you're right. <laughs> um, but we end up talking to him, but... Yeah, we basically learned that we set their whole mask plan with all this bullshit back about a year or two. Um, so he's here to try and fix that and get it back on the correct time frame. So he, he pulls this weird die clave. Um, it's this rough sword looking kind of slab of metal out of the wild orb thing that he's in. And then he attacks Storm right away. Uh, I think because I was shit talking him. Um, probably because you were shit-talking him, but also because he is, uh, at the time, an ally to, um, other people. Mm. So he knows about you guys. But why attack p poor little defenseless Storm first? So he has, he has no, he has no info on Behemoth. Um, why would he even, he, ha he also has very little info, I think, on Tally, because, and, like, Visionary's not there. So he's only going to go against, like, the people who, like, he's, like... He has like, an intel on. He has a lot of intel on. He's, like, I know how you fight. Cool. I'm going to just wreck you before you have a chance to get me. Because he understands how the snake style works, which is, Oh, I got a higher initiative than you? Bang, bang! Not bang, bang. Stab, 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 stab. Yeah. I don't know why I said bang, bang, bang. You're thinking of my other character that I want to do for uh, when we start Exalted back up again. Yeah, I can't wait to start Exalted back up again. It's so... Yeah. Fucking I'm weird. so excited. Yeah, so he tries to attack Storm, and Storm just drifting leaf illusions the fuck out of his way. So uh, he moves, and his weapon just hits right into the ground, and it corrodes kind of viscidically the, the area where it hits. So great dodge on that part. Uh, so Sergei, seeing this, decides to guard Storm, um, and he drops into his uh, single-point shrine to the void form. So there's a lot of fighting, and eventually, and we'll go, I guess, a little bit more into that, maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't know how important, like, the somatics of the fighting was, because there's um, a lot of it. There is a lot of fighting. Um, one of the really, uh, so, I guess we'll get through the fight, and then I'll go uh, back, back over. Back and through yeah. Okay. So there's just a lot of fighting, and eventually, the reality engine uh, starts to go haywire, and we hear a lot of these noises and voices, and uh, we hear behemoth. I think, like, we had said yeah. before, like, this is when Devin okay, yeah, jumped in. Okay, yeah, yeah, so, so Devin did miss the last session. Yeah, and he was able to jump into this one. I think he was at work and had to jump in later. So, yeah, we hear Behemoth all of a sudden, and then the reality engine sends out these sparks. There's It's these wild-tainted beams everywhere, and it caused holes in the walls, and there's just, like, a shit ton of fey bullshit. And Behemoth comes out. Mm-hmm. And Sergei tags out with Behemoth, so Sergei, Sunflower, the Blood Apes, and Ghost, who appears from the shadows and pulls out some short swords, 
Uh, they go and hold off the Door of Ridiculousness, which is what I named it. Mm-hmm. Which is basically all the fae that pop out. This is our way to just kind of be like, cool, we're going to have all the NPC NPCs people. over here so that you guys are, as a player base... Fighting the big fight, baddie. Fighting the big yeah. baddie and not the NPCs get the killing blow or the NPCs yeah. or the MVPs. So now it's our solar circle versus this alchemical. Also, you know... Doof Lord ends up becoming this glorious version of himself to protect Talisman uh, and ends up going to help with the stupid door. (laughs) Because Mm -hmm. wild magic. (laughs) Wild magic is just, you know, ridiculous and unexpected. It kind of lets the GM just kind of make up rules on the fly and it's kind of great. That's why I wouldn't mind doing like a campaign in in the wild, but I would have to mentally prepare myself for the crazy before a campaign like- dealing with the wild. I could do a campaign where you guys are are fae. Oh no no no! I was saying like we're stuck in the wild for a little bit or something mm-hmm. like that. Like that would be a good story arc at some point yeah. for a campaign. Uh, but we basically there's the hand of the great maker, which uh, Talisman has some insight that a previous version of her made that hand that uh, Nightman has, which is the hand of the Great Maker. And there's so there's more fighting, and eventually Behemoth hits the reality engine, or like a band of it, and it hits our allies defending us, and they all just kind of go prone and, um, like, around us. Yeah, because he decided to hit the, the big wild-shaping reality engine, and, like, that was not what you're supposed to do, buddy. So, yeah. here you go. And then there's more fighting, and Percy, because initiative and whatnot, ends up crashing um, Nightman, or Thousand Sins of Death, whatever you want to fucking call him. He's technically not the night. He's, he's Thousand Sins of Death there, not Nightman, because that's yeah. his uh, avatar form. Yeah, but, I mean, I have Nightman and Thousand Sins of Death, so I mean, like, mm-hmm. eh. I'll just, I just, Nightman's easier, honestly. Yeah, yeah. So... And uh, so Percy crashes him, uh, Storm goes in with a decisive blow, and cuts off his arm from, like, the elbow so that they can get this Hellboy device. And uh, Talisman jumps to grab it, and basically, it's one of those things of, like, cool, I hit you, you fall. Storm goes in, cuts the arm off. It that somatic thing where it just flies through the air in slow motion, and Talisman just lunges, grabs it, and puts it on. Mm-hmm. Um, so now she has access to wild shaping while it's on. Yep. Which is really cool. She's really fucking useful um, in this case. And so the alchemical basically says, you know, what a good use of my avatar silo. And he just teleports out. And so Talisman with the the gauntlet, I guess. Yeah, with the the hand of the Great Maker. Yeah, with the head of the Great Maker on. She sticks her arm into the thing, and uh, the reality engine, and she knows there's options to it. So she knows that she could turn off the engine, um, and destroy it, or she can get the magical materials and bullshit out of it. So we end up gathering the magical materials and bullshit out of it, I think. No, I think that you guys... uh... I don't remember, because I have it written a little weird. It says, oh, no, I'm sorry. She knows the option. She ends up turning the engine off and destroying it. And we end up getting the magical materials. Okay, yeah. Um... Or you could have kept it... Like, basically, the options were to, like... I think there were, like, three options for it. And it was like, 
turn it off and just scrap it for magical materials. This first age artifact that can create a pocket of wild and you could, over time, create infinite stores of Orichalcum, Soul Seal, Star Metal, Yeah, but we're just like, we're not dealing with this. There's no reason to fucking leave this you thing You could... Um, I think it was like, one of the other ones was you could turn it off and you, uh, you could turn it off and scrap it. You could leave it there for everything, or you could overload it and flood Volovat, but you'd get a giant pocket of wild that you could, like, mess with later. Yeah, which was really fucking tempting. I think we debated doing that. I think you guys did debate flooding Volovat, because it always came back to, I could have flooded Volovat. It always came back to, we could just have flooded Volovat and never had to deal with it again. But, we didn't. We still probably should have, but... Whatever. Um, we go back to the queen and we tell her, you know, we did the thing and we get the rest of the essence batteries that we need. We were decides to have a concert as we leave and we decide to never return to Volafot and head home. But Talisman still has her uh, hand of the great maker. And we also ended up learning some intimacies of Nightman along the way. We learned that he is loyal to, uh, I have the Empress Beneath the Waves written down here for some mm-hmm. reason, but it's the Maiden Beneath the Waves. And then we learned that his nemesis was Dayman or Asayu, which was pretty fucking obvious. And we also learned that he doesn't like wild mutations. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, because he's a high-clarity alchemical. Yep. Uh, but that was the end for the third session, so do we want to do that question? Um... Yeah, we got some time for that. Alright, so since we uh, got through so much... Uh, we got through an entire story arc in one episode. Yep. And it wasn't a story arc of the gang sits in town. Yeah. Three sessions, pretty good. Yeah, three sessions, pretty fucking good. Um, so, to celebrate, we're going to answer a question um, that actually got sent in to us last week. Um, from out in California? Yeah, from out in California. Uh, my buddy Sakori, who's been... Uh, casually giving me thumbs up from across the state or from across the country um he asked what is each person's favorite existing video game setting that you'd want to run a tabletop in or play a tabletop in for people who don't run okay i mean i can think of a couple did you want to go first um let's uh let's go back and forth okay so one of the ones that I want to run a setting in and that um, I'm kind of drawing a lot of um, inspiration from for a game that I'm working on right now is actually the Persona series. That we, surprises probably no one. That surprises probably no one, but um, I really like not just the uh, the generic high school setting and like having to go about your daily lives. Like, you know, that's... That's one thing, but, like, you could literally say that that's a, um, that's a, um, what's it called? Um, that, that'd be, like, you know, you could also compare that to, like, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, or, like... Yeah, you can, the, the whole high school setting could be very, like, broad, in Yeah, a the sense. whole high school setting could be very broad. And same with high school setting with magical teenagers. Very broad. One of the things that I really want to, uh... Well, one of the things that I uh, want to take from that, and one of the reasons why the, the Persona series really, like, why I'd want to just run just a straight Persona game, is they have these um, things called social links. Are you familiar with those? So basically, you get 
20 to 22 special, like... I have not gotten to play Persona. Okay, so basically you get a bunch of um, social interaction with, like, very special NPCs that usually get their own, like, voice-acted cutscenes and everything like mm-hmm. that, who aren't... Je- who are either main... E- who are either... Uh, player care like player character things like mm-hmm. all, like all the main cast has their own like tarot arcana and by talking to them and like progressing their personal plot and making them come to terms with like whatever's going on whatever is going on with them they get better moves they can take fatal hits for you and eventually like their persona evolves to like a better thing only because of your interaction with it that's interesting but then there are also um other uh, not non-Persona users who are also social links who give you uh, special abilities either in-game or not in-game, well obviously everything's in-game, but either in combat or outside of combat. So like one of the things you can do um, in Persona 5 is when you max out one of the social links, you can swap characters in and out of combat. Oh, like that's you, neat. you can take people off your bench and like put them back in. Uh, another guy lets you uh, score better critical hits with a gun. Um, someone else basically lets you do extra things during during the nighttime phase. Okay. Um, so then basically like, oh, you need to do this? Yeah, I'll take care of it for you. Um, we, uh, so you can go out and like talk to your nighttime social links. Um, some of them give you, like, more popularity in Persona 5. Like, it's all kind of, like, varied. But I think that a si- that playing in that setting could be really fun for everyone because it'd be a very unique, like, mythology-inspired thing because almost all the Personas are, like, mythology in some way inspired. Oh, okay. Um, so, like, all the ones in Persona 3 were all, like, Greek gods and stuff like that. All right, I was about to say, are we talking, like, four and Zeus? I know those are different uh, pantheons, four, but... In four, it's all, um... It's all Japanese pantheon. And then in five, instead of it being a pantheon of everything, the theme is, um... Um, like, thieves. Interesting. So, like, the main character gets, uh, Arsène. Who's, um, like, uh, the, like, French literature, like, the gentleman thief... Oh, okay. uh, He's also the thing that inspires uh, Lupin the Third. Got it. Okay. Um, but like, your 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 the main character's like best friend gets fucking Blackbeard. Oh. So like you have like pirates and like like gentlemen thieves and, and like, throughout like history yeah, and different yeah things. you have like and folklore a, you have a literal rogues gallery of the, the that's that's their thing and I think that that'd be a really cool thing to do where you go okay cool we're gonna sit down and we're gonna play Persona. Here's the overall theme you have to kind of, like, pick from that. But, like, the group sits down and goes, mm-hmm. hey, what do we want to play? Well, do we want to be thieves? Do we want to be, like, heroes? Do we want to be villains? And, like, you pick from that, so then there's, like, an overarching, um, like, theme across yeah. the group. Because it would be weird if it's, like, oh, I'm Arsene. And then the guy next to you is, like, I'm fucking Zeus. Like, yeah, like, like, like the- different dynamics that wouldn't really mesh well together. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, that that's that's one of the, the things. But yeah, the, the one thing I want to adopt from that for games going forward is the idea of social links. Mm-hmm. Where they, like, here's some NPCs who have story. Progress their story. Get a bonus that's, like, mechanically I useful. I feel like we kind of did that a little bit in Exalted with some people. 
Um, not a lot of them, but, like, a couple of them. Like, we kind of delved into, like, what their lives about. And... Right, right. But I think that, like, actually, like, putting it out there that this is a thing kind of makes... Kind of makes the players a little bit less focused inwards on their own problems and tries to help out more. Because, yeah. like, there were some NPCs you guys got that were just like, oh, yeah, we're going to focus on this guy. And then others that are just like, hey, you remember me? Yeah, we remember you. You're ally. Yeah, so I got this du- dude. I'm dealing with something. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, we had a lot of stuff we were dealing with and exalted. Um... As far as for me and video games, like, I have not played as expansive amount of video games as you have. Um, I, we, I did get to play in a Fallout campaign that was, so it, Fallout World with D&D mechanics, and then we also mm-hmm. had, like, guns and stuff in it, but we found ways to, like, supplement, um, technology for different things. Like, I played a cleric. And I had a alien gun, essentially, okay. that would do what would be the equivalent of radiant damage, but it was, like, laser damage. And then anything that was necrotic was, like, rad damage for us. Okay. And so clerics have spiritual weapons, so I had a little orb, a little, like, mechanical orb that I basically just took in my hand and, like clicked it, and tossed it up in the air, and that was my spiritual weapon. It just had, like, rotating blades on it that did damage. Holy shit, you had a fucking phantasm ball. Basically, yeah. Awesome! Uh, and then when the spell wore out, it just, like, rolled back into my hand and back on my hip and had to recharge before yeah. I could use it again. Okay. Uh, so that was kind of fun. I played in that. I didn't get to DM it, but it was fun. We didn't get to play all the way through because timing didn't work out for me, so I had to drop the game, and they progressed forward, and things got crazy in there. And it turned into evil campaign because the neutral moral guide was gone. Imagine that. I'm a moral guide in a campaign. Hmm. You normally are, actually, in my experience. You I don't just... feel like I am. No, you totally are. Odessa is, in the werewolf game, is hard the moral compass. Rory is just chaos. <laughs> Rory is just chaos, but you still have some morals that, like, you're not gonna, like, fuck up. Like, like you got, like, when you guys eventually get to, like... If you guys ever actually, like, kill, like, mortals that aren't, like, on the technocracy, like, I'm gonna, like, sit you down and be like, really? Because, like, that's a hard step to take. Yeah. Uh, As far as something else, like, I've been playing Borderlands lately. I love the series. I love the lore of it and the stuff behind it. So I think that'd be a really interesting uh, campaign to run in it. But it's very gun-heavy. And I guess you could take some of the abilities in the different trees for the characters and kind of flavor them to, like, a system <laughs> with magic or something like that if you mm-hmm. want to do it. Yeah. So I think that'd be really interesting to run in, but I'm just biased because I love that that particular game. Um, but there's a lot to work with there because you have different planets and different areas, and, like, you could do canonical stuff where you can like create your own thing because it's literally set in the galaxy like yeah you can just do your own stuff and just go vault hunting like that's that's the big draw of borderlands is being the vault hunting like you are a hard murder hobo yeah you are super murder hobo but one of the things that i think would be really hard to um get across for borderlands in my opinion would be um the 
just the massive amount of enemies that you have to chew through. Yeah. Because it's it's rough. Like we're playing Bre- through Bre- Brendan and I are playing through Borderlands 3 right now. Uh, occasionally when we get to play together and I'm playing through separately on a solo campaign as well, but there's a lot of enemies. There's a lot of enemies that you have to chew through and it's um and then also like, you know, death really doesn't mean anything unless of course I guess you run out of money. Money's way more like it just fucking falls out of the goddamn sky. It's I don't know what system that you'd use for that to to be honest. I'd probably mainly just cuz I'm I do like a D&D, but that's cuz I know D&D super well in comparison to like a lot, a lot of other systems and probably like adapt cuz that's basically what we did for Fallout was we used D&D and we adapted everything you know and what? Um, changed it around. So you know what actually be really good for that and there might be something really uh, similar for it. Okay, so there's two systems I'm thinking of for it that would work very well. One would work as really well for, like, a Borderlands one-shot, which is that Dread system that I've talked about, the one with the Jenga tower. That could work really but well. It, but, like, instead of, like, moves being, like, oh, you know, two or, or, like, three, like, they're always, like, minimum four pulls off the Jenga tower because death means literally nothing. Yeah. For, at least for a while, so, like, I guess I'd have to, like... You'd probably have to be out of, like, the scene if you died for a Yeah, you'd bit. have to be out of the scene for a little bit if you died. Um, the other thing that I would, uh, use would be a, uh, Powered by the Apocalypse system, which is the 2D6 system. You get a couple little stats, mm-hmm. and you have, uh, you create basically a playbook. And the playbook could be literally, like, the Siren... The Commando, the Gunzerker, the... You could literally create a playbook. Necromancer. Yeah. You could literally create a playbook of it. I've, I've been looking through it because it's a system that I like to run because it's mm-hmm. very... Let me put it this way. As the DM or the storyteller or whatever, I do not get to roll dice. Hmm. Yeah. It's basically... You guys roll dice, and then you add the appropriate stat. The stats are usually very low. I think the most you get at, like, high-tier play is, like, a plus three on things. But, like, if you roll a six or below, you fail. If you roll a seven through a nine, it's a mixed success. And if I it's remember a, you mentioning this to me. if it's a me. ten through twelve, it's a total success. So, like, on a mixed success, I'd be like, okay, yeah, you shoot into the horde... But, like, you take a couple points of damage and, like... Like, on the recoil or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, like on the like recoil. Like, your arm doesn't, like, like, stabilize well enough on the recoil Yeah, or so either like you don't do as much damage or, uh, like, there's a price to pay with stuff like that. But because of that, like, me not having to have character sheets for these mobs of things, I can just be like, oh, yeah, you're just chewing through them. And, like, this group of psychos over here is, like, they, do, they have this many HP of damage. And every HP that you kill, that you take off, is, like, one dude who goes yeah. down. I mean, like, I, I like chaotic stuff like that. I just, it would be trying to figure out how to do it. And like I said, I'm biased. It's one of my favorite, like, mm-hmm. game series. I think that if I knew more about Borderlands, I could probably, uh, and read more into Powered by the Apocalypse, I could probably write up a playbook for every one of their uh, things. Yeah. The other one I thought that, because when you were, we got this question and we're like, okay, we play a lot of video games. What would we do this in? Because, like, you would want to do something that's kind of a mix between, like, some magic and like some technology and a lot of different mm-hmm. other things when you went over and so brendan went over and looked at his games he's like there's so many things over here i don't even know so i was like all right name out a couple and one that i think would be really f- interesting to do was kingdom hearts kingdom hearts would be weird and goofy and i would <laughs> 
It would be interesting to do because it basically, uh, the implication is basically that you get to go to a bunch of different, like, fun settings. And, like, with, even if you keep it in canon Kingdom Hearts and everything, can, it's Canon still... Kingdom Hearts, let's be honest, is very convoluted. Canon Kingdom Hearts 1 is very convoluted, but also, if you keep it, like, you only keep it to Disney properties, with Disney acquiring almost literally everything, like, there's... I, I saw a post on Facebook today that's like, because Disney acquired Hulu and Letterkenny is a, um, is a Hulu original show, is Tannis now a Disney princess? Oh my god. <laughs> like, like, you could have the gang goes to fucking Letterkenny. Jeez. That'd be the weirdest thing ever. Um, one of the other ones that I saw in there that I would love to do would be, um, the Mass Effect universe. Yes, I knew the thing about Mass Effect. I also love Mass Effect. Oh my god, Mass Effect, the Mass Effect universe would be fucking Uh, phenomenal to run in. Bioshock, Mass Effect, and Borderlands are probably my three favorite, uh, games. Mm Mm-hmm. That I can think of right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that would be fantastic and to run And Left 4 Dead, but, like, there's mm-hmm. only two Left 4 Dead games, Yeah. So. Well, that's because Valve will never make a third game in anything. So, like, Mass Effect would be really cool because you've got the, you've got all the set races and you've got, um, all the, uh, all, all the political drama of that universe plus Reapers and, like... It's got so much, like, if you deep dive onto, like, Mass Effect fucking wikis and stuff, I don't want to say that it's as big as, say, like, the Star Wars wiki that has all the extended universe shit in it, but it's pretty fucking big because they've got just, like, codex entries for everything that are hyper-detailed, so, like, you are <laughs> never at a uh, at a loss for um, yeah. for things. Do you have any others? Because um, I have one more. I'm trying to think of any ones off the top of my head that I could think of. I mean, uh, Elder Scrolls is kind of a very Elder obvious Scrolls. one, I feel mm-hmm. like. D&D 5e. Uh, yeah, very easily could run D&D 5e in that. Give, give you some special, give, give the player some special powers. Yeah, that'd be and... the more fantasy-oriented one. I feel like the, of my options that I was thinking of. The other one, the the final one that I would love to run in would be Xenogears. Uh, you've probably heard about it. Oh, I have heard about it. I don't know a lot about it though. It's basically it's actually really close to Exalted in, in feel. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, because it's like super hard, like kung fu combat going on. Mm-hmm. Like it's still like a turn based thing, but like. Uh, in the game, at least, you get, like, combos to do. So, like, you do, like, uh, hey, I'm level 15, so my thing is I do, like, a four-hit combo. So my four-hit combo is, like, square, 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 triangle. And, like, it's got unique animations for all of those uh, different combinations that you can do. Um, it's super hard on either the, um, uh, like, like weapon play or, like, kung fu. It's very, It's very heavy on that. But then it's also got giant robots. <laughs> see, see what I mean when I yeah, say that, like, yeah. it's got a real hard, exalted feel to yep. it. And it's also got, like, flying cities and, like, huge different plots and, like, people who think that, who believe that they're better than everyone else. And, like... Ooh, God of War. God of War would be pretty cool, too. Yeah. 
I feel like that's just running a D&D game with mythology, though. Not that that's bad, but, like, no. it's still, like... I feel like you almost, want, like, for God of War, just to even stand a chance, it's like, okay, cool, everybody, you're 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 starting off, you're level 10. You're, you're a child of a god or something. You're level 10, you're Pick the one. child of a god. Pick one. Let's go. I mean, I know, I, I think I know what I'd, I'd pick for mine, so. <laughs> but uh, those are, that's because they're my favorite gods, so. Okay. Um, anything else? Can you think of any other games that might be interesting to run in? Like any video games? Because um, I, I know you were taking a while to look over at your selection of games. Uh, the, the, the Final Fantasy games all have unique settings to them. I think it'd be really interesting to run in Final Fantasy VII setting. I think it'd be really interesting to run in Final Fantasy VI setting. Final Fantasy IV is very classic uh, fantasy tri- fantasy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, eight could be interesting because it all focuses around um, like mercenary squads and like schools that train mercenaries. I think that would make sense. That'd be pretty easy to run something. Um, I think that they'd all be. I think that they all have interesting enough settings that they could be explored more. Um, but the problem with that is that you either have to get a group that is unfamiliar with the setting, or you have to get, um, or you have to get a, uh, a GM who is like so stupidly familiar with it that anyone who's kind of like baseline familiar with it isn't going to like have a fucking like fit because you uh because you you didn't do the thing right yeah that seems reasonable which i think also probably applies pretty heavily towards like doing doing like mass effect or like world of warcraft that's another one that'd be fun to run just because i have a lot of warcraft knowledge and you have more than i do i started during wrath of lich king i think was when i started and then I stopped I not started... terribly long, so I missed, like, Pandaria and uh, the Draenor stuff, and then I came back in at... Legion. Yeah, Legion is when I came back into it. I started at Warcraft 2. Well, I didn't start playing until college. <laughs> so, got a... Uh, 18, 19 year old me playing Warcraft. <laughs> uh, on that same vein, StarCraft would also be. I have not played StarCraft at all. That would also be a heavily, like, that'd be a very interesting setting to run. But yeah, no, my, my one that I'm just kind of like, I would love to run, but I will, I will, I'm hard taking mechanics from is the Persona series. Yeah. I, I like, I just, there's just so much that you could pull from a lot of different things. Like I said, Skyrim would be very easy to run. Um, especially, like, because it's fantasy. But I just... I don't know. There's just a lot of different things from different things. I really think Kingdom Hearts would be fun, though. <laughs> like, oh, I just, agree. Kingdom Hearts would be really fun. You could get a lot of extra stuff. You could just have everybody go in quests for their own, like, Keyblade and everything, too. Yeah. Or you just have someone who's really good at the Donald Duck voice and then refuses to heal you. <laughs> Worst clerics ever. <laughs> Worst cleric ever. Okay, so I think that's gonna do it for us for Yeah, tonight. I think so. Um, thank you everyone who listened through all of this, uh, all, all of this shenanery. Uh, remember to like, share, subscribe, um, leave a comment, send us emails. Send us questions. Send we us questions. We don't have any more questions we don't anymore. We have any more questions, so we're going to need some more. 
Um, like, if you're friends with Brendan or me, you can send it to us directly through, like, Discord or Facebook Messenger. Or we do have an email you can send things to. Which is a pair of dice lost at gmail.com. Just remember to put in uh, your question and also the name that you'd like to call us. Or that you, that you would like us, us to, to address you, you by. Because we have some people that are like, hey, I don't want my real name out there. I was like, cool, give me a pseudonym. I'm down with that. Yes, yeah, pseudonym is the it, I'm pretty pen sure name. I'm pretty sure that's that's the right word. Yeah, a pen, pen name, whatever, yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I think we're we're pretty good. We got through three sessions. The next session, uh, Brendan and I will be drinking wine for because it was requested that we do at least one recording where we're drinking. Uh, we're so, not gonna like get swifty schw- wasted, whatever. We're just gonna have each have a bottle of wine that we're just gonna sip through, or in my case, probably chug through. And well, just... I gotta keep up with you. No, you don't have to keep up with me. <laughs> I gotta keep up with you. All right. This is, so the so next session is when Brendan dies. <laughs> Do not die if, from one If we were actually one. drinking uh, wine and you were trying to keep up with me, I think that would be the oh, session. Oh, yeah, 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 I would die. One bottle of wine is, I think, my, uh, my, my limit on wine. Gotcha. Yeah, whereas I start off with, like, two or three. <laughs> Jesus. You... I always forget. Anyway, so for a pair of dice lost podcasting channel, I've been Brendan. This is Christina. And as always, let the good dice roll.